Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, October 27, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Also, home of the best skate shopping in New England and the best deal, too. It's called the Beans Club. Join the Beans Club today for just 45 bucks which gets you 10 skate shoppings for the price of eight. That's right, two free skate shoppings when you join the Beans Club today. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back, and give them a call for more information, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181, and make sure you tell them I sent you. And when you come into Beantown Athletics, you'll be able to see that we got the shades open here in the studio, really for the first time in a long time, because over the summer what happens is, you know, we have this brand new studio here at Beantown, right in the front, right on Granite Ave. You can see it if you drive by, and when you're in the shop, you can also look in, but we have two huge windows on each side of the room, and in the summer, it, it becomes basically like a sauna, like a solarium in here. It just gets so hot. So throughout the summer and even into a little bit of the fall, we had to keep these shades closed uh, to to really prevent the sun from coming in because we didn't have an air conditioning and it got really hot. And, you know, I'm trying to do a show here for an hour. So uh, the cooler it is in here, the better. And right now, because it is a little chilly outside, I got the shades open. It is very bright in here. It has not been very bright in here all summer. We've had the shades closed. But it's funny because I have people who drive by and they text me. They say, oh, you're not in studio today? Well, no, I'm in studio. I just, I have the shades closed. So I'm in here every day, five days a week. You can listen at dannypicard.com. Also subscribe on iTunes anywhere. Podcasts are available. So we got the shades open. It's bright in the studio. And there is a lot going on. Before I wrap up today's show, I will give my NBA season predictions. I'll do it kind of like I did the NHL, my NHL season predictions, which is I'll give you my Final Four. I'll give you my East Eastern Conference Finals. I'll give you my Western Conference Finals. And then I'll give you my NBA champion uh, in the NBA Finals or the Finals. And so we get that going on. The NBA begins tonight. The regular season officially begins tonight. We got three NBA games on the schedule. I'll get to that. And the World Series begins tonight. The World Series. Kansas City, New York Mets. I got a prediction for that one as well. But I'm going to begin the show here with some NFL stuff because last night we officially wrapped up week seven in the NFL. And that game last night, well, it meant more to me than it did the Baltimore Ravens, I can tell you that. Maybe not as much as it meant to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals went into that game last night hosting the Ravens on Monday Night Football. The Cardinals went into that game having lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers the week before in a game that they should absolutely not have lost. So the Arizona Cardinals, they had to win that one. I told you they were going to win. And I mean, I don't know anybody that went into that game thinking last night that the Cardinals at home were going to lose 
to the Baltimore Ravens because the Ravens' defense is just no good, especially their pass defense. And, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, they did. They won last night. 26-18 to over the Ravens on Monday Night Football, but they could not cover. And if you are listening to the show to get my picks for every week, um, my fifth and final pick for Picks Picks Week 7 was this Monday night game, and it was the Arizona Cardinals at minus 9. So they did not cover that. There's a couple frustrating reasons they did not cover, which if, you know, you talk about some of the bad beats that I've received in this NFL season, which has been an awfully ugly NFL season, to say the least, the Cardinals missed a field goal in the first quarter, then they missed an extra point in the fourth quarter that had the Cardinals only up 26 to 10. They should have been up 27 to 10. So when they're up 26 to 10, and then the Ravens block a punt, which gives the Ravens possession at the Cardinals' one-yard line in the fourth quarter, it's an easy Ravens touchdown at, from the one-yard line. And then they get the two-point conversion, which, of course, at that point, makes it a 26 to 18 game. And if you can do the math with the nine-point spread as the Cardinals' nine-point favorites at home, they did not cover. So the Ravens cover late, but they they covered because the Arizona Cardinals made some mistakes. They missed a field goal. Their kicker had a bad night, misses an extra point, and then their punter, a blocked punt. So a bad kicking night for Arizona. It cost me being 4-1 and one for picks picks in week number seven. So I finished the week three and two, which means that my record on the season now is 16, 18, and one, with the one being a push uh, a couple weeks ago. So 16, 18, and one, I am on the season through seven weeks. I give you five games with the spread every Friday. So I've been I've been bouncing back here the last couple weeks, um, and and look, I should be I should be four and, I should be four and one. I really should. But the Cardinals, just a a bad night kicking the football. And now the Arizona Cardinals, look, they win the game. The Ravens lose once again. And uh, I guess when I look at this league now, we got to keep our eye on the trade deadline. And last night in this one, and they even mentioned it, I think, during the broadcast. I didn't actually hear them mention it, but the boys in the back here at Beantown Athletics, they told me that on the broadcast last night, they were talking about Steve Smith and how he would refuse to go anywhere in any sort of trade. He signed with the Ravens. We know that he has said this is sort of his farewell tour, his last season in the NFL. He's going to retire after this season. But you look at the Ravens. They are 1-6 on the season now. 1-6. I don't think that Steve Smith... When he signed with the Ravens, I don't think that he thought here in this being his last year that they were going to be this bad. One and six. And Steve Smith, who is playing through a pretty serious injury, right? What do you have? A couple broken ribs? He took a bad hit a couple weeks ago. He returned a lot sooner than anybody thought he was going to, at least a lot sooner than I thought he was going to. And last night, five receptions, 78 yards, didn't catch a touchdown pass. But Steve Smith, you can see him out there. He is still able to perform at a high level, even with that type of injury, even at his age, even, you know, with this Ravens team that, you know, isn't really any good. And and I get that they have lost most of their games by a, a small margin, right? They're a 1-6 team. 
and people point out, well, they lost to the Broncos by six points. They lost to the Raiders by four points. They lost to the Bengals by four points. When they beat the Steelers, and they probably should have lost to the Steelers, they beat the Steelers by three points. But they should have lost to the Steelers. They should really be 0-7, but that's for another time. They, the Ravens lost to the Browns by three points. They lost to the 49ers by five points. And last night, they lose to the Cardinals by eight points. You could look at that and say, well, they're losing, but they're losing close games. It doesn't matter. When the season is over and the Ravens, you look at their schedule now, they play the Chargers. I don't know that the Ravens can win that. They play the Jaguars. The Ravens should be able to win that one. Uh, they play the Rams. I don't know. At this point, I might be giving it to the, the edge to the Rams. They play the Browns, a team they already that the Ravens already lost to. They play the Dolphins. Who knows what the Dolphins are going to look like by the time you get to December 6th. They play the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football on December 13th. They play the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Bengals, and they close it out in Cincinnati. I mean, how many wins are the Ravens going to have this season? Right now, it's looking like they're going to have no more than four based on what how I see them play and I'm not I'm not basing anything on how many points they're losing by because that honestly that doesn't matter to me it really doesn't when we talk about Baltimore and it shouldn't matter to you when you look at what the Ravens are going to be the rest of the season which is a team that's not going to the playoffs and if if you're Steve Smith I get that they had that conversation during the broadcast the announcers last night that Steve Smith wouldn't go anywhere else if you're Steve Smith With the trade deadline in the NFL being next Tuesday, November 3rd, right after week 8, right? If you're Steve Smith and the Ravens come to you and say, the Carolina Panthers are calling us and they want to bring you back. Are you going to reject? This is the Carolina Panthers team right now that's undefeated. Are you going to tell me that if you're Steve Smith, you're going to reject that trade? You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna stay in Baltimore, stay in a team that has no defense, stay in a team that is gonna win three, maybe four games this season. You wanna stay in Baltimore? I get it your last season. Maybe you settled in and you uh you're dead set on this idea that this is it, this is where I'm finishing my career. But things change. I'm sorry, things do change. Steve Smith has been to a Super Bowl. He's tasted defeat in that Super Bowl. He might look at it and say, I want one more shot. I want one more shot. And you look at the Carolina Panthers right now are undefeated. If you listen to my podcast yesterday or at any point late last week, you know how I feel about Carolina. I, I, I'm, I'm buying into them. I think they are for real. I don't think they're this fluky undefeated team. I mean, at this stage of the game, when you're still undefeated through seven weeks in the NFL season, at some point you got to say to yourself, it's no fluke. And on top of that, you got to see some of the teams that the Carolina Panthers have recently beat. And at least I look at that game in Seattle a couple weeks ago and think that's that's going to count for something. They're for real. They are. And the way Cam Newton's playing, I think at this point, you know, this is somebody that is one of the best quarterbacks in the league when it comes to how he impacts his team. So I buy into Carolina. You know, if the Carolina Panthers are smart, to me, they'd kick the tires of Baltimore and say, look, you guys are out of it. The trade deadline's next Tuesday. How can we get Steve Smith back in Carolina? How can we get him back in Carolina? And if you're Steve Smith and the Ravens approach you about this, which they, I'm sure they would before they made any move, 
You're telling me you would reject that? I don't care what he said previously. I don't care what is going on in his head before this season or in the first couple weeks of the season. I'm sure the first couple weeks of the season, even when they lost, it's still possible he thinks for them to turn it around. That's just the mentality you have as a football player. You you fix some things during the week, and then you say, all right, on Sunday, we're going to get a W, and we're going to turn this ship around. Well, the Ravens have not been able to do that. And in fact, if he wants to look at it realistically, he should probably look at it and say, all right, we have one win, but we probably should, we're one in six, but we probably should be 0 in seven. Is this a place I want to finish my career? Like this? I, I don't know. I'd like to think that Steve Smith has a lot more pride than that. And I don't care what he says publicly. Maybe he's saying the right things. Right? I mean, inside, there's no way that Steve Smith goes to bed last night, looks himself in the mirror with a 1-6 Ravens team and says, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy that this is the way I am going to finish my career. There's no way. There is absolutely no way he thinks that. Have you heard this guy talk? This guy has way too much pride. And he's much smarter than you think. So, I, look, to me it's a no-brainer. It's a, it's a perfect fit. Carolina, go bring Steve Smith in. Give Cam Newton another weapon. How's it going to hurt? And if you're Steve Smith, look, if you're the Ravens, what... Are you really not gonna? Are you really gonna hang the phone up? You're not gonna take anything in return. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna get a uh, draft pick in the top four rounds for him. You, you're not gonna. It's not gonna happen. But you might be able to get a later draft pick. It's better than nothing. I mean, right now you're playing. You're one and six. You should be zero seven. Come on. Your defense is terrible. I don't care if you're losing games by by four points. You're losing the game. When the season's over, do we ever look back at the teams that don't make the playoffs? When's the last time when an NFL season was over, you looked back at the regular season, looked at the teams that didn't make the playoffs, and said, well, they didn't make the playoffs, but they lost 13 games. And all 13 of those games, they only lost by four points. <laughs> like, what, what does that come for? That doesn't come for shit. That doesn't mean shit. Steve Smith knows that. Steve Smith knows. He's all, Steve Smith in the locker room this year after a loss has already went off from the team. Right? Didn't it wasn't there a story a couple weeks ago where after a loss in that locker room, he was telling people, hey, you know, there's people on this team that are just happy to be in the NFL, that are just happy to be on this team. And that's not good enough. You gotta want to win for this team, not just be happy to be here. There were reports he already went off like that. Carolina should want to bring Steve Smith back. Because ultimately, that's all Steve Smith knows when it comes to winning. Right? Right? And I I get what the Ravens... Look, I understand completely what the Ravens did last year. I understand it. And maybe Steve Smith thought that this year would still go be similar to that but when you lose Suggs early and you know you you just basically look I mean you look at Baltimore's schedule early on it look it was tough it was tough and you lose you know that's a tough game in Denver to begin the season that's look that was a Raiders team that we're seeing now Derek Carr in the center his first that was his first game because Derek Carr missed the first week 
that's a good Raiders team with a lot of offensive weapons. That's a good Bengals team. It's an undefeated Bengals team that the Ravens lost to in Week 3. But after that, I mean, come on. I mean, they've been exposed here. The Ravens have been exposed. They're not a good football team, and they have a terrible defense. And I don't think the organization really, uh, they, I don't think they know how to react to that. Because they've never said that. and They haven't said that in a long time. That they have a terrible defense. And they do. So, I don't care how many points they lose by. They're losing. And Steve Smith knows it. And he can't like it. And he cannot want to end his career like this. On a sinking ship that is the Baltimore Ravens. And I got news for him. And he probably knows this as well. It's only getting worse. They're going to host the Chargers. Sunday at 1 in Week 8. San Diego, just an embarrassing loss to the Raiders, I think. But San Diego, you know, they'll surprise you. They went to Green Bay two weeks ago and almost won. Almost handed the Packers their first loss. So, would you be surprised if San Diego beats Baltimore? In Baltimore? I know I wouldn't. Would you be surprised if Phillip Rivers is going to throw all over the Ravens' secondary? I'm not going to be surprised. Are you going to be surprised if the Ravens lose that game and all of a sudden they're 1-7 and seven and the trade deadline's two days later and a team comes knocking on Baltimore's door or call, ringing their phone and saying, how do we get Steve Smith? Well, here's a team that should be doing that, the Carolina Panthers. And if you're Steve Smith, I think you would be absolutely out of your fucking mind if you just said, no, I'm okay finishing my career here. I'm, I'm settled in here for the year. And and I and I'm, that's it. This is it for me. I there's no way. There's no way to compete. You see how competitive this guy is. He's playing with broken ribs. I, it's probably worse than we even are talking about. And he's out there playing. And he's not just playing. He still shows you that he can be an impact player in this league. He's shown you that this season. Look, the Ravens are losing. They are not losing because of Steve Smith. As a, as a Steve Smith fantasy owner, I would know, all right? So, and I'm not just bringing this up because I hope he gets traded to Carolina and then maybe he has more offensive production. I, I'm, I'm just thinking, if I'm the Panthers, I need to at least call him and ask him. If I'm the Ravens, I'm not hanging the phone up. I'm, I'm probably going to entertain it because you're not going anywhere. And if you're Steve Smith and you're asked to go back to Carolina to finish your career, finish your season, why wouldn't you do it? An undefeated Panthers team that shows you they're for real. That's probably going to win that division. I think it's going to win the division. I think they're better than Atlanta. I think they're better than New Orleans. New Orleans has won a couple games now, but I still, I don't, I don't see it with the Saints. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't make that move if you're Steve Smith. But we'll see what happens. You know, NFL trade deadline isn't always... Now, isn't the most exciting trade deadline, but it is next Tuesday. And the Ravens lose again last night. Steve Smith, this is his farewell tour. He wants to end it like this. He wants to go down in a sinking ship. Why would you? And if you're Carolina, you should do everything that you can right now to step in and save him from that sinking ship. I just think it's a perfect match. I think it makes all the sense in the world. But we'll see what happens. Like I said, the NFL trade deadline usually isn't anything crazy but it is worth noting that it's next Tuesday Cardinals win last night uh so they get back in the win column and uh yeah we got a big game in two nights as week eight begins with Thursday night football Patriots and the Dolphins at Gillette I told you on yesterday's podcast I think this is going to be blowout city 
Population New England Patriots and Tom Brady against the Dolphins defense who might be feeling pretty good about themselves right now after two uh, back-to-back wins with a new coach and a new attitude and everybody's having fun and everybody's a big tough guy on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, But then you look at the quarterbacks that they've played this season and there's no way that you can take that Dolphins defense seriously by looking at the quarterbacks they've faced. This is going to be by far the toughest test for the Miami Dolphins, and I just don't think they have enough time to prepare for it, one. And two, I think that they're feeling so good about themselves that they are playing a team on Thursday night that is just in a different league, and I don't think they'll be ready for it. And I do think that the Patriots at minus eight, I would jump all over that. Patriots still today as of Tuesday uh, early afternoon. Patriots are still an eight-point favorite in this game. So we'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow and even Thursday. Every Wednesday, I preview the upcoming week in the NFL. I turn the page every Wednesday to the following week. And tomorrow, I will preview week eight in the National Football League, which again begins Thursday night with the Patriots and Dolphins. So we'll get to that uh, more tomorrow. We'll also, I'll recap game one of the World Series, which is tonight. I'll, I'll get to that in just a second, but sticking with NFL stuff, just a couple other NFL news and notes to wrap up, uh, officially wrap up week number seven and some of the storylines that went along with it. Uh, the Houston Texans, they have released Ryan Mallett. Finally, after missing the team, he misses the team's charter flight to Miami last week for the Houston Texans. Now, Bill O'Brien wanted to cut him on Saturday. The owner wouldn't let him. Perhaps they were just, you know, perhaps they were just letting this maybe try to, uh, you know, clear itself out or blow over. I don't know what they were trying to do, to be honest. But here's the deal. They did the right thing by cutting him. You've got to cut a guy who misses the team's flight to a certain... Anybody who says... I actually heard a couple well-respected national sports radio people yesterday say... Well, it's just, you know, he missed his flight. Everybody does it. No, 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 no. Get a fucking clue, okay? What are you talking about? These are are national sports radio personalities. How do you not know? Like, did you not cover the NFL at all at any point during your career? How do you not know that NFL teams, they don't just show up at the airport a half hour before the team flight and jump on the flight? So if a guy overslept, well, it's... Uh, he overslept his flight. Like, this isn't, that's not how it works. It doesn't work like you and the family are going to Disney, uh, you know, and, and you guys, you miss, you oversleep, you miss the cab, you know, you run into your flight, you just miss it. It is in that situation. In the NFL, you as a player, especially as a quarterback, even if you're a backup quarterback, forget about the position. Any player, you show up to the stadium. You actually do stuff at the stadium for a couple hours before you guys, before you leave, before you take off. And while you're doing shit at the stadium, in the locker room, everybody's got their travel bags. This isn't just the NFL. This is every team in sports. Like, as somebody who has actually covered professional teams and been in the locker room, I mean, I've seen it, but I can't believe this people who are out there, national radio personalities that I heard yesterday going, oh, it's just a, it's just a, you know, he missed a flight. No, 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 no. This isn't just a guy missing his flight. This is someone who now they're reporting was actually at the stadium, might have went home and missed the flight. Ryan Mallett, honestly, honestly, he just comes off as a punk. 
He comes off as someone who doesn't give a shit about anybody else. He's not a team player. He's got a terrible attitude. And this is dating back to his days at Arkansas. He had some things going on at Arkansas, too. And, you know, I'm sorry. You missed the team's flight. That absolutely is something that a team should look at and say, you're gone. You should absolutely cut a guy that misses a flight, especially if he's a backup quarterback. You know, and even if he was your starting quarterback, the the Texans are not going anywhere with Ryan Mallett. So why keep him around? They cut him. So Ryan Mallett's cut. It's what they should have done. I agree with Bill O'Brien. They should have cut Ryan Mallett the minute that he missed that flight and had to fly commercial. That must be a tough commercial flight. That must be tough walking into the room into the locker room before the game in Miami saying, oh, I missed the flight. And some players are like, well, wait a minute. Weren't you at the facility that day? How'd you miss the flight? I mean, I don't even understand the whole situation. And if you're the Texans, right? Like, I mean, look, an NFL team shouldn't have to do the home alone head count anyways, right? But, you know, you get the guys, all right, one, two, three, four. But they shouldn't have to do that anyways. There's too many guys on a football team that travel where you have to take a head count. You should not have to do a head count before you get on the fucking plane. You shouldn't. But I do think there's probably a couple people on that plane that knew Mallet wasn't there. Right? I mean, when do they figure it out? That's another thing I don't know. When When they get to Miami... When they finally got to Miami, they said, oh, Mallet's not here. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean Mallet's not here? We thought he, he's not in the flight? Like, did they find out after? Did they find out when they were on the flight, when they were about to get on the plane? They're like, where's Mallet? They called him. He says, oh, I just woke up. I, no, it's not even that situation. You go to the, you, you go to the facility. So if he wasn't at the facility, I have, look, I, I don't even want to break this down anymore. It's just so stupid. The, me trying to break it down. And if you're listening to me trying to break it down, you realize, well, you shouldn't have to break it down because it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Okay? This is inexcusable. You get cut, especially if you're the backup quarterback. Ryan Mallett has been cut. The Dallas Cowboys are not cutting Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, you pushed the special teams coordinator on the sideline the other day. This is a guy that is a complete scumbag. We know his history with the domestic violence and the suspension that he had, and whatever other issues this guy's got going on. I'm sure he has some. He's a hothead. He's a scumbag. Those two things combined, do do we take a sideline situation and maybe blow it out of proportion? I don't know. I I think we might blow it out of proportion, the Des Bryant stuff. You know, when it's Des Bryant versus Greg Hardy yelling at each other, yeah, we might blow that out of proportion, but you... As, as a football player, cannot put your hands on a coach on the sideline. I don't care if the coach pushes you first. You're a monster. You got like eight inches on the guy. You could rip his head off if you wanted to. You got pads on. He gave you a little push. You pushed him back. You can't touch a coach. All right? You're a professional monster. I'm not even going to call him an athlete. He's a professional monster, and he pushes a special teams coach. I don't think we blew that part of it out of proportion. And this guy's history combined with it? See you later. You Can you imagine if that happened in New England? There's so many things that happened in the NFL that would not happen in New England. And the, the one thing with this specific situation would be, 
it w- what wouldn't happen in New England is if a guy pushed any coach or even maybe pushed another player on the sideline, they'd be gone. What wouldn't be happening in New England would be the owner going out, giving media interviews, saying that he hopes to extend that player with a contract extension because that's exactly what Jerry Jones is doing. He's running around going, we should extend Greg. We want to extend Greg Hardy with a contract extension. I mean, this, I, I have no idea. You want, you want me to react to that? Here's my reaction. No fucking clue why you would want to do that. <laughs> like, like, what do you, why? Because you think he's a great individual talent? What, what, is, what have you done? What have the Cowboys done the last four games other than lose? Great individual talent is a guy that you look at and you say, well, he's helped us win three out of the last four at a time in which we lose our quarterback and top right receiver. We'd like to keep him around. I mean, I still have a problem with that, but maybe not as much. Maybe there would be part of me that say, well, I could see why he says that. Jerry Jones says this. He wants to extend Greg Hardy. The team keeps losing. There's no part of me that says, well, I can see why he says that. No part of me. So I have no idea why he's saying that. But it's stupid. And he looks like an idiot. Not that I've ever looked at Jerry Jones and said, this seems like a smart guy. But I mean, you know, this is just a very dumb comment and a very dumb thing to do if the owner of the Dallas Cowboys or really the owner of any football team that has this scumbag on the roster that's now causing trouble on the sidelines for a team that doesn't need any more shit to go on for him right now. But they have it. You know, these people say, well, he's passionate. He's a football player. There's passion there. Passionate is Des Bryant. Passionate is being upset with your special teams letting up the touchdown right after you tied it. Passionate is getting in an argument maybe with another player who comes over, confronts you because he doesn't like the way you've talked to someone. That's all passionate. That's all NFL. That's all professional athlete that wants to win. I get that. When you cross the line... Of passion, you know when you do that? It's when you put your hands on a coach. Because <laughs> you're mad. that the, You put your hands on the special teams coach because you're mad that the, spe, that the special teams let up a kick for time. I mean, cross the line. Greg Hardy's crossed the line. Many times in life. And when he does it on your football team, you then come out and defend him and say you want to give him a contract extension? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of speechless when I heard that news. But it just goes to show you that Jerry Jones, all he cares about maybe is... But again, I I mean, individual talent. I get that Greg Hardy is the type of player that uh, can... You know, other quarterbacks know he's coming. I mean, we saw that with the Patriots when they played the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Greg Hardy is going to get to the quarterback, and he, and he was able to do that against the Patriots. And he's going to be able to do that against other teams. But let's face it. I mean, it's not like his individual effort is... Helping them win games. The Dallas Cowboys still losing games. Still losing. They 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 might lose without Greg Hardy. Here's the only guys the Cowboys need back. Tony Romo, Des Bryant. They get those guys back, they're going to start winning more ball games. I don't think they need Greg Hardy, in my honest opinion. Especially not with this type of headache. So... Jerry Jones, he wants to extend him, though. I, I can't understand it. And then, uh, finally, another NFL story. Can you believe we have Deflategate stuff going on still? Can you believe it? Well, it's because 
the NFL yesterday, they officially appealed Judge Richard Berman's Deflategate ruling. NFL lawyers yesterday filed papers in a federal appeals court in Manhattan stating Judge Berman reached an inexplicable conclusion when he determined that the league failed to adequately warn Brady of the potential suspension and made errors in its investigation that required Berman to nullify Brady's four-game suspension. Now, the appeals court is not scheduled to hear oral arguments until February, um, and I don't expect that to be the week of the Super Bowl. I expect it to be after the NFL season is over. But Roger Goodell's doing interviews now, and he's saying that basically, you know, he it's in, he's, he's saying it's in this right for the CBA. We can do this. You know, he's pounding his chest, CBA, integrity of the game. I mean, this isn't really shocking news. You know, I'm on Twitter yesterday. I'm reading things. People are, I don't know, some somewhat surprised. How, why are you surprised? You knew the NFL was going to appeal. You, you know why, when they appeal, why they're going to appeal and what they're going to say. Um, I, I guess we just have to wait and see. I, I still think that, see, when you talk about these situations, procedure, fairness, CBA, everything still comes back to evidence. It does. I get that the actual changes in the appeals and the rulings now don't, aren't directly involved with the evidence, but it all does come back to the evidence. It, it really does. And it, because when you talk about fairness, well, you say fairness of the process. Well, fairness on the process based on what? Based on the evidence that is there, right? I, again, I think we're all driving ourselves crazy if we keep getting into the flakegate talk here in uh, October as the Patriots are undefeated. And they're going to be still undefeated after Thursday night when they whoop the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium. But, I mean, to me, anybody who's surprised with this stuff with Goodell and wants to make this a major story today, it's I'm all set with it. I really am. I am past the flake gate. The NFL's going to appeal. I'm not surprised by it. When it gets to the appeal and we hear the oral arguments, I assume we're going to be doing much of the same stuff that we did when Judge Richard Berman was hearing these, the NFLPA's appeal and Tom Brady's appeal. It's going to be the same shit. Like, what is going to be different? Nothing. The only thing that could be different maybe is someone else's ruling on the NFL's appeal now. And I still don't think that they are going to have anything to give Tom Brady the suspension back. But anybody who thought Deflategate was going to just go away, I think, is living in a dream world. I'd love it to go away, but it is not going away. So... Uh, I, I can't spend too much time on Deflategate here. As we got a lot more important things going on at the moment. And one of those things is the World Series. Begins tonight in Kansas City. Both rotations are set. Matt Harvey, he will pitch tonight for the New York Mets on nine days rest against Edison Volquez on five days rest, game one. And we knew the Mets rotation. Matt Harvey, Game 1, Jacob deGrom, Game 2, Noah Syndergaard, Game 3, Steven Matz, Game 4, sets you up for Harvey again, Game 5, if necessary, and it will be necessary. For the Kansas City Royals, yesterday they came out with their rotation, and it's exactly what I told you it should be on yesterday's podcast. Edison Volquez going in Game 1, Johnny Cueto going in Game 2, Yodano Ventura going in Game 3, and then Chris Young going in game number four. So Javi Volquez, DeGrom Cueto, Ventura Syndergaard, Young Mats. 
that's the way the World Series shapes up, how the rotations will look. And people want predictions. Well, first things first, uh, let's look at this game tonight because Volquez Javi, Javi's been very good here in the postseason. And you know how I feel about extra rest. I don't like it. He's got a lot extra rest than Volquez does. Javi, as I mentioned, nine days rest. But Matt Javi in his career, which is a, has been a short career, has not been in the league too long, a couple of years, but still, Matt Javi on short rest has kind of been at his best. In 15 starts on six-plus days of rest, six or more days of rest, Matt Javi has a 1.33 ERA. So that's better than his ERA on five days rest, which is 2.60. That's better than his ERA on four days rest, which is 3.08. So Matt Harvey, you can make the argument, on six days rest or more, is at his best. So I don't know. I have to look. I have to look at those numbers and take those seriously. And then when you get to Edison Volquez, see, I look at MLB.com, and here's what they say about Volquez. They say, in an 11-year career with six teams, the veteran Volquez gets his first World Series start. He was hot and cold in the ALCS, twirling six shutout innings in Game 1 of the ALCS before allowing five runs in Game 5. Now, that's where I have a problem with it, the end of that statement. Uh, Volquez was great in Game 1, and in Game 5, I thought he was pretty damn good. And when they say he let up five runs in Game 5, well, that's not telling the whole story, is it? Because Volquez in that Game 5, in which the Blue Jays, they won and forced the Game 6 back in Kansas City, Volquez took the... He pitched five-plus innings. He took it into the sixth, and he walked a run in with bases loaded, and the Royals trailed two to nothing. Herrera came in and let up a bases-clearing double to Tulowitzki, which opened the floodgates, and all of a sudden it was 5 nothing Toronto. I get that Volquez is going to be charged with those runs, and, you know, when you walk a run in and you get taken out of the inning with, with bases loaded, I understand you're going to look at him and think, well, it wasn't a great night, but I'm not saying that, and I don't think that this comment here, I don't think that what MLB.com is writing up about that Game 5 is doing Volquez and the postseason that he's put up, I don't think he's doing him justice. I think Volquez has been great here in this postseason. So this isn't going to be an easy one for the New York Mets tonight. Uh, But look, all series long, we're going to have great pitching. We are. And that's what it's going to come down to. But I think ultimately, if you ask me to go with these rotations and the bullpens, match them up, everybody's going to rave about Kansas City's bullpen, the back end, right? And, and look, the Royals went out. Yodano Ventura has got another World Series. He was in the World Series last year, and he was very good in two starts in the World Series last year, uh, especially in a Game 6 in which he got the win in, what, seven innings against the Giants, and it forced the Game 7. We know how that went. Giants won the Game 7, but Ventura did his best in that Game 6, must win. He was great. Uh, Ventura... So you got him, you went out, you added Johnny Cueto, you got Volquez, who was pitching very good. I think the difference could come down to maybe a Chris Young, who, as I mentioned, only throws 88. I think the Blue Jays can look at the ALCS and say, we dropped the ball not being able to hit him. Uh, I'll take Mats over Young. I really will. 
And, I, you know, my heart wants to say that the Kansas City Royals are going to win this series because they have the experience. They were in the World Series last year. I love their lineup. They add Cueto, so they add that other starting pitcher. They have a dominant bullpen that, again, that's been there before. All of that has to count for something in this series, doesn't it? It does. But if I pick... If I pick the Royals to win, I'm going against everything that I believe is true in Major League Baseball, which is y'all lineup can be as hot as any lineup ever in the history of the game. You could have all that experience that you want in the world in postseason series or World Series. But all that is thrown out the window in baseball when the guy that you're facing on the mound on the other end is... Dominant. And what I see from the Mets rotation is they have three guys and maybe even four that they're going to roll out. And Matt's, I put them aside a little bit. The big three here is Javi, DeGrom, and Syndergaard. You know, the Mets are going to roll out this rotation that is downright dominant. And you look at DeGrom, he's going game two on the road, sets him up for game six on the road. It's just we could be looking at DeGrom being MVP. I could see that. Winning both of his games on the road. He's won all three of his postseason starts this year. They've all been on the road. You you have to love having that type of pitcher who can win when you're in another team's ballpark and be as dominant as he's been in another team's ballpark. I'm sorry, I cannot bet against the match because I'd be going against everything that I believe is true in Major League Baseball. I have to take the Mets in this one, and I even think that maybe, as people will rave about the Royals' bullpen, might overlook the job that Jerry's Familia has done for the Mets this postseason. Familia, in eight games, in nine and two-thirds innings in this postseason, he's allowed only two hits, he's allowed no runs, has walked only two guys, has struck out six, has five saves, and I just told you, has an ERA of zero and nine and two-thirds, and I don't think any of it is a fluke. So uh, what what he brings to the table, what the Mets rotation brings to the table, I like the Royals lineup better than the Mets lineup, but I can't look at this series, seeing how the postseason has played out, and thinking I'm going to take the best lineup over the best rotation. I have to take the best rotation over the best lineup. I do. And when you can add in maybe a Mets bullpen that maybe isn't getting the credit, they're closing, maybe not getting the credit, I could see Familia being MVP of the World Series. I could. And I know all the other things that the Royals have going for them, which is the World Series experience, uh, which is they went out and they added a elite caliber pitcher, that is Johnny Cueto. And, you know, they have, in my opinion, the better lineup. But... I just cannot bet against this Mets rotation. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm going Mets in six. I'm going DeGrom is going to be dominant on the road again in games two and six. DeGrom or Familia, World Series MVP. That is my World Series prediction. Whatever happens tonight, Javi versus Volquez, I'll react to it on tomorrow's podcast. Um, And also tonight, opening night in the NBA. We got three games on the schedule in the NBA tonight. Cleveland in Chicago. The Cavaliers against the Bulls in Chicago. 8 o'clock on TNT. 
Also at 8 o'clock, we got the Pistons in Atlanta taking on the Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, who had a great regular season last year with 60 wins, and then they lost in, excuse me, they lost in the conference finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they got swept by Cleveland. Atlanta, they had an easy route in the playoffs, though. Brooklyn, um, I, I actually, I shouldn't say too easy. I did think that the Wizards would maybe get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they did not. Atlanta did, and Cleveland swept Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't even remember that Cleveland-Atlanta series, to be honest. But Atlanta had a nice regular season last year, a great regular season, 60 wins, which was the second most in NBA behind Golden State, and they had 67 wins. But Atlanta tonight, they are going to open up their season at home against the Pistons. And then, of course, at 10.30 on TNT, we get uh, the New Orleans Pelicans against the Golden State Warriors in Golden State, the defending champs. They will raise their banner tonight at 10.30 on TNT. And that leads me to my NBA predictions. Though, before I give that to you, i got to get a little in-depth with this Celtics team. They don't begin the season until tomorrow night here in Boston at the Garden against the Philadelphia 76ers. couple roster notes. Jordan Mickey, undersized center out of LSU. They drafted him. The Celtics drafted him this year. Uh, in the second round. Jordan Mickey, I loved that draft pick. He's going to begin the season on the team's inactive list. Also with James Young. he'll be, Those two, Mickey and Young, will begin the season on the Celtics' inactive list, which gives the Celtics uh, 13 active players. And the Celtics' starting lineup so far is one that I disagree with. Uh, what Brad Stevens, do we, I don't, do we really know yet? I don't think we really know. I think we're assuming based on what we saw the last couple of preseason games what it's going to be. I'll give you my start in five. Because the start in five that Brad Stevens has does not include Amir Johnson. And I disagree with that. I think Amir Johnson needs to be in the Celtics starting lineup. So my Celtics starting lineup, my start in five is this. And I'm even taking Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup. That might not go over well with the Celtics and Celtics fans. But here's what I want to see. My Celtics starting five is this. Marcus Smart as the point guard. Evan Turner as the two. Jay Crowder being that defensive guy on this starting lineup. Amir Johnson and David Lee. That's my starting five. Smart, Turner, Crowder, Johnson, and Lee. And I know what you're saying with Turner, but at the same time, I mean, you look at this roster... Evan Turner might be the best player on this team. Dead serious. I mean, that's just how I feel about how he's played with the Celtics team since he's been in green. And he can do multiple things. He can play multiple positions. And even when he's in the game, at times we see him running the point. So he can play the two. Turner can play the two. I know some people might want to look at him at the three, but I think he can play the two. And to be, look, if you're asking me, starting five, give me my best five. This is, this is who it is. Smart, Turner, Crowder, Johnson, Lee. And then my bench, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jonas Jarepko, Jared Sollinger, and then you get to Zella. You know, then you throw Zella in, Tyler Zella, which leaves us with Olenek, Rosier, and RJ Hunter. Right? To mix and match in other places. 
I think that you look at those guys, Hunter might be the player that could move himself up the depth chart throughout the season because of his ability to shoot. And this team really lacking an elite score. The Celtics team lacking an elite score. Look, Isaiah Thomas might be their best scorer. He needs to come off the bench and he needs to play the point. You know, at times we saw him playing the two last year. Thomas should be playing the point with Avery Bradley with his defense coming off the bench. I like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, you got to look at Sullinger and say, I mean, potentially Sullinger at some point in the starting lineup this season. I don't rule that out. But that's the way I want the Celtics to look. It might not look the way I want it to, but I still think that the Celtics will be a more exciting team. And they were exciting last year. So they won 40 games last year. I think the Celtics should be good for 46, 47 wins, maybe 48. We'll give them 48 wins. We'll give them the 4 or 5 seed, give or take, 4 or 5 seed in the NBA when the playoffs begin. And actually... If you're looking at the NBA playoff format, it has changed this season. No longer will division winners be guaranteed a top four seed. They won't get that anymore. Uh, But they did. If you won your division previously in the NBA, you're guaranteed a top four seed. That's not the case. So this is just going to be one through eight, top eight records being paired one through eight in each conference. So the Celtics, they should be good for anywhere between 46 and 48 wins, finish the season above 500, which should be good enough in the East to get them the four or the five seed. And here's the problem. They get the four and the five seed with the NBA having set brackets. With the NBA having set brackets, the four or five seed plays the winner of the one versus the eight. And I think that Cleveland is going to be the one seed in the Eastern Conference this year. I do. I think Cleveland's going to be the one seed, which means that you're going to have to then face Cleveland in the second round if you win your first round. I'm going to give the Celtics a first-round playoff win. I am. Which means that I'm also looking at them playing Cleveland in the second round. They got swept by the Cavs last year in the first round. They might not get swept, but they're going to lose to Cleveland in the second round. And for my NBA predictions, you know, not to go too in-depth with everything. My Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be the Cavaliers over the Chicago Bulls. Um, I think that the Chicago Bulls could very well be either the two or the three seed, which means that they wouldn't face Cleveland based on the set brackets. They wouldn't face Cleveland until the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's how I think it's going to set up. It'll be a rematch of last year's second round in which Cleveland beat Chicago four games to two. Um, I look at the Bulls, look, Derrick Rose, he begins the season injured again. He's, I guess he's going to start tonight, being the starting lineup. They're going to monitor his minutes. He got what, the fractured orbital bone, right, in his face, took an elbow at practice in the offseason. But, you know, hey, look, look at it this way. You want to look at the bright side? At least it's not his knee. He's had so many knee issues, and I know it's tough to put money on Derrick Rose staying healthy, but... Look, if, you, if you're telling me his knees are going to stay healthy, the Bulls are going to be pretty damn good. And they're going to compete for the top seed in the East with Cleveland, which sets them up for these two teams facing in the East Finals. But I'm going to take the Cavaliers to get back to the NBA Finals, a place that the Cavaliers lost in the NBA Finals last year. So Cavaliers over the Bulls in the Eastern Conference. And then in the West, I have San Antonio and Golden State. San Antonio and Golden State. I think Golden State 
They'll be the one seed again in the West. Uh, San Antonio, I could see them being the four or the five based on the fact that you know Popovich is going to give this loaded Spurs team some nights off because he has that much depth and it, it might force him, they might lose a couple games because of that. Um, Popovich has made it very clear. Regular season basketball, as long as you put yourself in position to get into the tournament, regular season basketball is not as important as the playoffs which might seem like an obvious statement, but with it being so obvious, you don't see many coaches in any sport handling the regular season. You don't see them handling it that way, the way that Popovich does, by giving guys nights off just randomly, telling guys to stay home, not even travel on road trips, because the regular season, eh, it just doesn't mean as much as the postseason. Look, the Spurs are going to get in, and they are absolutely loaded. The Spurs... Had a phenomenal offseason. First and foremost, I mean, you know, you got Ka- Kawhi Leonard returning. You got uh, Danny Green returning. And on top of that, I mean, you signed LaMarcus Aldridge, right? And then on top of that, you were able to get David West to leave $11 million on the table in Indiana and sign with you for the veterans minimum coming off the bench. The Spurs are loaded. They might. I don't think they're going to win the West because those guys aren't going to play every game because we know how Popovich hand, is going to handle it. But that's going to benefit them as well when they get to the postseason. And I think that the Spurs are going to face the Golden State Warriors in the West. So I, it, it'll be tough. To, it, the West is more difficult to figure out the seedings only because Kevin Durant comes back this year you know, so you got to factor in the Thunder. You have to factor in the Thunder into the equation, right, of the playoffs. And not just in the equation, battling for a top three seed. Same thing with with the Houston Rockets. Uh, you got to put the Clippers in there. Clippers go out, get Paul Pierce. They, they keep DeAndre Jordan after the drama that was last season. And, you know, the West is stacked. It really is. The West is stacked. So it's, it's a lot more difficult to try to figure out what the seeds in the West are going to be. So with that said, what I'm going to do is just give you the best two teams that I think are the best two teams in the West playing in the Western Conference Finals. San Antonio, Golden State. Golden State, the defending champ. They might feel disrespected. I think they might use that um, to get back. And when they get back, they're going to run into a San Antonio team that I just think is way too stacked to lose. So I'm going to take the Spurs, win in the West, and they will face the Cavaliers in the finals. And LeBron, you know I always pick LeBron. But the type of offseason that this San Antonio team had and the organization had and the way I think they're going to be handled in the regular season is going to set them up for a championship. The San Antonio Spurs will win the NBA title and... uh They'll do it because top to bottom, they just have the best roster in the league. And I don't think it's going to be a roster that anyone can beat in the postseason. So there is my sort of NBA preview for you. The regular season begins tonight with three games. The Celtics begin tomorrow night. I think the Celtics, as I mentioned, could be as good as a four or five seed in the East. And um, a couple storylines. Really, the biggest storyline, I think, to keep your eye out for in the NBA is Kevin Durant 
and what happens with him in the last year of his deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder. People say, well, Oklahoma, they're going to be playing for a championship this year. There's no way they move him. I think of it this way. It's a business. And if Kevin Durant is not going to sit down and work out an extension with you and you think he's going to walk for nothing and maybe go back to the East Coast and, and sign a max deal somewhere else, well, you have to think about moving him. And I don't know if you move him at the deadline or you do a sign and trade afterwards at the season. Look, this, you can get creative. I think Oklahoma, the business side, they need to get creative. But it's, it's a name to keep an eye out for and a storyline. A storyline, I think, that's going to come up a couple of times during this NBA season, which begins tonight. But my prediction, the San Antonio Spurs will be your NBA champion. Uh, Closing up the show here, a couple quick things in the NHL. The Bruins tonight back in action. Boston Bruins, they host the Arizona Coyotes at the TD Garden. Matt Bolesky is going to return to the Bruins lineup. By the way, a Bruins lineup tonight that I absolutely love. Well, the forwards at least. You know how I feel about the defense. I do not like the defense for this team. But the forward lines with Bolesky back, I love them. Moshan, Bergeron, Brett Conley. Erickson, Krejci, Pasternak, Bolesky, Spooner, Hayes, love that line. And then Kelly, Kampainen, and Randall. Okay. I'm, I, I love it. That's the line. When I, you know, sometimes you see lines that the coach will put together during a season. Now, these lines aren't going to, uh, they're not going to stay together all season because Claude changes the lines all the time. But sometimes you see a lineup and you go, yep, that's the one. I saw this today. I go, yep, that's the one. It really is. So we'll see what the Bruins do tonight. Um, I'll react to it tomorrow as well as react to Game 1 of the World Series as well as, you know, anything else that happens in the world of the NFL because there always seems to be a crazy storyline. But uh, tomorrow I will also preview Week 8 in the National Football League as I turn the page to the next week, which I do every Wednesday. You can get me five days a week, dannypicard.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, anywhere. Podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. And uh, tonight, I'm on WEI. From 8 to 10, I'll be joining Planet Mikey. And then from 10 to midnight, I'll just have the show to myself. And you can call in, and uh, we'll get to some similar stuff that we talked about today. But also... We'll take a look at this Bruins game tonight and some of the things that happened in the first night, opening night of the NBA and, of course, game one of the World Series. But then I'm back here tomorrow. I'm out. Talk to you then.